Welcome to The Gut Check, nutrition and gut health for active people, a podcast where we are talking functional nutrition for functional fitness and a functional you. Remember, if your gut is not functioning optimally, you are not functioning optimally. I am your host, registered dietitian and nutritionist and OCR fan, Kate Klein. You can connect with me on Facebook at The Dublin Dietitian or go to my website for additional resources, services, and the video recorded versions of these episodes at www.dublindietitian.com. That's D-U-B-L-I-N-D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. As a standard disclaimer, the information provided here is for educational purposes only. While I strive to provide accurate and helpful information to my listeners and viewers, I cannot take into account individualized circumstances. This is not a substitute for personalized nutrition, health, and medical advice from a health professional. If you are ready to get your personalized plan, you can go to DublinDietitian.com and schedule a complimentary strategy session to get a game plan in place for you to hit your health and fitness goals. So let's get to it. Welcome back to the Gut Check. Um, It's time to dig into one of my most popular topics, um, IBS and digestive issues, basically the GI system. And I love and I am fascinated by our GI tract. It is powerful. It is complex. It's what helps sustain us. It's what helps protect us. It helps us stay happy. Yes, we'll talk about that, serotonin, happiness, um, and more. But when something goes wrong, too many conventional methods just sort of slap a diagnosis on it, give meds, and send people on their way, um, maybe with an eat this, avoid this kind of food list, and don't really get into what is causing those symptoms, because symptoms can be so generic and caused from so many different different things. But there is this beautifully complex assembly line of things that happens from mouth to the esophagus, the doorways, the sphincters, little valves, the stomach, more doorways, small intestine, large and colons, colon and out. And when something goes wrong somewhere in that system, somewhere in that assembly line, it affects things down the road. It's like a ripple effect down. So in this episode, Andy and I are basically going to do like a virtual tour of the GI tract from hole to hole, um, where we'll sort of talk about what can go wrong and where, and hopefully give you some ideas of what you might be able to do or what you should look at or ask what kind of questions you should ask or what labs you could do, or maybe some tips you can try at home to help with that. So we're going to kind of hit like, what is IBS really? It's such a generic diagnosis. So what is it? Um, What should your poop look like? We're talking about it. Um, what could be the root cause of IBS, irritable bowel syndrome? Some basics to help with digestion, some reasons you might have heartburn or GERD that you could control or things we can look at down the road, you know, little things you can do at home, bigger things if that doesn't work. Uh, we're going to discuss the intestines, microbiome, H. pylori, SIBO infections, and so much more. So my takeaway I want people to to have with this, I work with so many people with IBS, Um, you don't need to suffer for life. Uh, You can get your energy back. I know that's a common problem. You don't need to be stuck on a restricted diet for life. There's the past episode we did on like low FODMAPs and therapeutic diets. Basically, there are reasons and answers. And in functional medicine, if you get work with a functional nutritionist or functional practitioner, our goal is to find that root cause. What is going on and how can we address it? 
Um, so that's, I, I really, I love this topic. It's so important to me. Again, it's one I'm happy to answer any additional questions on because this is as deep as we try to go. It really is still just kind of an overview of all the things going on. Um, now, a pointer, there are some visuals that we share in this video, uh, such as like the Bristol stool chart, um, some um, stats and some numbers and things. So Hopefully you can still get a lot out of this if you're listening to the podcast on Spotify or Amazon Music, um, but or I'll link to the YouTube in, in the show descriptions, but I'll also have a link to my actual webpage on Dublin Dietitian, and I'll put the screenshots there as well. So if you want to listen now and then maybe check that out later, that's fine. Um, but yeah, we get the Bristol stool chart, kind of the web of health issues that are all linked with the gut. You know, so, so hint, if something goes wrong with your gut, um, it's more than just linked to things like Crohn's and IBS, but it can play a role in chronic fatigue, pancreatitis, metabolic syndrome, autoimmune disease, pain and myalgia, eczema, and so much more. Um, so yeah, that's about it. I am already chatting a lot here. So let's dive in. I wanted to, what I've realized, the more and more I talk to people and see people, um, in like IBS support groups and struggling with that is unfortunately there seems to be kind of a lack of truly understanding yes. what that diagnosis means yes. and what you can do about it. Correct. So we wanted to sort of do a, a tour of the GI system, virtual talk through the walk and talk through the GI, yep. where things can be off and how that relates to IBS. Um, yeah. and, and what IBS is. And what does that mean? Right. And how that, how your stool and your bowel movements can actually be some clues and indicators for yep. that. So what does IBS stand for? That's probably a good place to start. Irritable bowel, what's our favorite word, Kate? Syndrome. <laughs> so for all the folks sitting at home, a syndrome is, Kate? Kind of a random collection of symptoms. Bingo. Syndromes are random collections of symptoms, which means here is a big bucket of things that ex people experience. We're going to put this big bucket of things that people experience into one category that we are going to put a label on. And in this case, that bucket is irritable bowel syndrome. Irritable bowel syndrome. And then usually medications will be prescribed to... Bingo minimize Regulate. symptoms, but not yep. deal with why those symptoms Root started. Causes, exactly. So you can so, manage symptoms, which can make life functional, right? Like, yes. There and is, that's that is important. That is important. We want to feel better, but the but, long game, there's always, but, like we talked about with the FODMAPs, what comes next? What exactly. is the end game? We don't yep. just want to be on drugs the rest of our life if we don't have to. Right. And for some people, that is the solution. Like for some people, right. if you have a true transit time issue, if you have a true motility issue, if you, you know, there, there are a number are, of yeah. things that can affect the actual peristalsis through the guts. But a lot of that can also be addressed through functional medicine. Exactly, exactly. So but I would say like, not... if you have your bell curve, yes, you are going to have your your outliers where yep. truly exactly. there's some sort of neurological condition or neurological condition or structural condition, but there's still or a secondary medication effect where we can address things. Right, exactly. So, if you're sitting in the middle of this bell curve, 
you are in the right place today because we're going to talk to you about what you can do. What you can do. So yes, have hope. Like there is stuff and maybe it's not yes. always going to be a hundred percent, but again, we can at least bring it in. Bring we can rain it down, improve quality of life, address some of these root cause issues. Um, Cause I know my introduction to how IBS is dealt with was with my now ex-husband um, when I was first starting to learn all of this stuff, all of the functional nutrition and beyond the conventional dietetics and into functional nutrition and functional uh, medical therapy, all kinds of issues. Like he'd always had issues, GI issues and things and insomnia and yada, yada, yada. And yep. there, was, there was a summer where he went and he lost without trying, lost like 30 or 40 pounds and oh, wow. he did not have 30 or 40 pounds to lose. Oof. Um, so he went, yeah, he dropped to a BMI of like 17 or 18, looked very, very skinny, emaciated muscle Gaunt. wasting. Gaunt. Gaunt. And yeah. And so we're like going yeah. to doctors, going to GI doctors. Yep. yep. And he'd had, that I sounds guess. Like. <laughs> SIBO. <laughs> and uh, he was, it was SIBO, but we didn't know that at the time. And we went to GI doctors and this, and basically the explanation he was given was, so think of your digestive system as like an orchestra. So you've got your, your stomach and your small intestines and the large intestines and the pancreas and the gallbladder, your accessories and all of this, and they should all work together like this nice uh, orchestra playing in harmony and nice, sure. but sometimes yeah. that conductor just doesn't know how to conduct and things just don't work. Things just don't line up and that's IBS. The end. Well, or um, maybe you just need a, a new conductor. I say, or maybe you need a new, a new conductor. person to help lead your your digestive system to harmony. Yeah. <laughs> Nuances of analogy aside, the essential idea that he was told was just kind of tough luck. This is just sometimes what happens, and there's Bingo. nothing to do about it. And I've yep. heard other stories of similar things from GI doctors where they're told irritable bowel. It just it's people just don't work. Just it's the dumb luck of yep. life. Um, we'll try some meds, and if they don't work. Yep literally have had this, here's a meditation CD, learn to just breathe through it. <laughs> I've been there too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good news. There often are things we can look at. There are reasons why your GI tract is not functioning as it should. And Guys, look at it. <laughs> guess what? You're supposed to poop daily and not seven times a day. One to there three is times. A, one to three times. Let me do a screen share here. Let me pull up, up my Bristol. This is my favorite thing in the world, Kate. The <laughs> Bristol stool chart. I live my life by the Bristol stool oh. chart. If I, I'm, I'm not kidding you. If I am at a beautiful Bristol four, life is fantastic. So this is a Bristol stool chart. So for people with IBS, it is good to track this. Whether you're IBSD and you're having too much, too loose, or IBSC and you're too constipated, too infrequent, too strained, this it's a guideline. It's not an end-all be-all, but it kind of shows you the different consistencies that can occur. And what you want are these like three to fours. So yeah. smooth, kind of maybe a little lumpy, but we don't want it super lumpy and dry or hard pellets. That could just indicate you need more water. I mean, it could be as simple as that, but there yep. can be other things we'll talk about. Um, conversely, we don't want like these blobby little things going on or ragged fluffinesses, 
Um, yeah, if it's real kind of soft blob, it might just be you need more fiber, need to clean up the diet a little bit, get out all the sugars, put in more vegetables, um, starches. Or if we start getting into this real like yellowy or liquidy or whatnot, that could be inflammation. Yep. So again, right off the bat, there's just some simple things we can look at, you know, hydration, diet, movement, things to address constipation, and then inflammation can be infection and other things. So that's kind of the end game, literally comes out the end, but we can talk through now, like from mouth and down and other things that can affect. Yes. Bum, bum. Sharing that, that's enough looking at stool for now. So... <laughs> So we like life to be at a beautiful Bristol floor. However, with IBS, there are, okay, say it with me, three types. IBS, IBS C, C, constipated, I D, diarrhea. diarrhea, and then everybody's favorite, mixed. Mixed M, yeah. So M. You're, you're fluctuating, you're constipated one day, and then it all flies out the next, so. Or you go from one end of the scale to the other end of the scale to the other end of the scale, and you just ping pong back <laughs> Yeah, so there's sometimes different underlying causes for the three different types, but yeah, we just, I kind of wanted to just talk through the, the digestive tract and what can yep. go wrong and what that can do to your, your health in general and how yes. you may note it as a different type of IBS. So Bingo. again, um, so yeah, and again, it usually when people are dying, when, when doctors are diagnosing IBS, they're mostly looking at just like, what are the bowel movements like? How's your stomach pain, stuff like that, bloating, discomfort, certain pains. But I think anyone who, who has IBS knows that it becomes systemic. You feel fatigued, you feel tired, you can have other aches and pains because well, again, it affects that, that your quality got, of life, right? If you're, yeah, if you're like, uh, I need to like base my lunch around how quickly I need to be near a bathroom or mm -hmm. I need to base my day on like, Hey, guess what? Can't really leave the house today. Cause I can't. If it messes with work schedules, you know, I've far, had, I've seen that far away from the bathroom about that. Um, I had one client who didn't want to have a social life or a dating life because he was embarrassed to go out to eat, knowing it could trigger a flare up in the middle of, you know, a first date. And then so he just yeah. wouldn't date um, or go out to eat. Uh, yeah. Other people who can't work um, because yeah. a flare up can cause them either the embarrassment of making a mess or they run to the bathroom and then they're in there for 30 minutes and coworkers yep. are mad bosses, you know, and it's, so it, it really, you know, and then you're losing all that nutrients. You're losing all those electrolytes. You're tired. Yep. You're crabby. That comes across to the way you take care of family. Sometimes hurts. you like, hurt your brain fogged. Maybe your weight isn't where you want. So you're self-conscious about your shape because your we talked about pants, that last. In your, another one. Yeah. Your pants don't fit the same. I mean, I remember, gosh, I needed like, three different sizes of pants. Like normal, bloated, bloated and ouchy. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I've had a handful of IBS clients I've worked with that they say that one of their biggest stressors, like more than, you know, they didn't like their weight, they didn't like their body type, they were tired of this. They knew that it was wearing them down emotionally and they yeah unwillingly we're taking that out on their family and they're like yeah. i hate that that's not their fault that's not fair but i'm so tired i'm so 
grumpy with how my body feels that I'll have a bad day and I'll lose my temper. I'm not sleeping all, whatever it is. So anyone with IBS knows all of those things, the toilet, it's, it's quality of life and it's all connected as we will get to. I know we're kind of like working up to this over the last 15 minutes here, but yeah, that's kind of wanted to hit that. Like, because there's so much confusion about what is IBS. It's just this mystery, like my guts don't work, but it really could be many, many, many things. So yep. kind of starting with oral health. Starting here. Ah. So oral health matters. There's Even when I was Big in time. school with conventional medicine, we already knew there was a link between oral health and heart health disease. And heart disease, yep. That's and been so fun accepted. fact, that's also like, there's also a big connection between oral health and um, joint replacements, right? So like, if you've had a joint replacement, you're supposed to take a prophylactic antibiotic every time you go to the dentist, like for the rest of your life. Mm. Yeah. And we'll get to antibiotics. No, that's a whole I know we've issue. touched on it too. Yes. We'll, but... we'll talk about that too. But yeah, I mean. So oral health matters. And... Big time the way you chew your food matters. I mean, this is getting into kind of a small thing, but again, it's like rule it out. First, just make sure. Chewing your food well and giving it time to mix with the salivary amylase to help break it down Mm -hmm. before it gets into your stomach. And I've had, I've worked with people. I had two brothers. I've told this story a couple of times to people, but to me, it was just such a a stark example. Two brothers that I was seeing separately um, as clients, they each owned a grocery store and we're just like, go, 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 go all the time. And they came to talk to me about heartburn. Both had massive heartburn, bloating, discomfort, da, da, da. And, you know, a lot of people would eventually, oh, you have heartburn, let's put you on a PPI or you're bloating, let's do this. Or let's, even from a functional nutrition, let's throw digestive enzymes at you. Let's throw stomach acid supplements at you. And those have their place and I use them. But in their case, talking to them, Literally, they were inhaling their food. Like, I was talking about your food. Oh, I inhale my food in like five minutes and I run. And I got to go. And I'm like, you have to slow down. Breathe and chew. And they both came back a week later. Both of them, no more heartburn. Yep. Chew, chew, chew your food. Yeah. So chew your food, take your time, breathe. And then some other little things with that, like you may need to limit fluid intake with meals for some people. Don't wear tight clothes. I know a lot of times women, we're trying to wear clothes that show off our, you know, make us feel good and confident, but you know, is that belt too tight? Do you, you know, just little things like that you yeah. can check. So, and that's actually a good point. So one of the, I, when I first, and we're going to go in the Wayback machine at the moment, but when I first got diagnosed with GERD, he was like, yeah, avoid like tight clothing around your diaphragm, af- avoid, you know, tight clothing around your waist, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, this was a little bit, this was GERD specific at the time, but speaking of that heartburn, and then the first question I asked was like, so does that mean I don't have to wear a bra anymore? And he was like, hey, you do you. But honestly, I got it like, where that sits, man, makes a big difference for me. Hmm. Okay. And That's so, like, depending upon okay. your anatomy of, like, your rib cage and where things are sitting, belts, and, I mean, and guys, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, what are those belt, pressure points? Yeah. So, think about, like, if you're sitting, how do, how do your clothes feel when you sit? And if they're pressing somewhere that doesn't feel great on your digestive system, maybe reevaluate that item yeah. of clothing. So, it could be that. 
You know, they say try not to eat too late at night and then go to sleep, then you're laying down. And there's things about, well, lay on your left side or your right side. And like, that's all well and good. But the whole thing is you probably just ate too much too late as well. Right. And you shouldn't be lying down. Yeah. Um, But yes, if it feels better to lay on your side, you can do that. But, but again, so, so those are just some simple things. I know that's probably for most people listening, not the issue, but I just want to throw it there. If your jaw hurts, go to the, you know, like. If it hurts to chew and it hurts to eat here or here, deal with those things. Yeah. And then the other thing here, we do have bacteria in our mouth, and we should. Mm-hmm. Like yes. the whole system, except for the small intestine, like we talked about in the one about, about uh, FODMAPs and SIBO, we have different bacterial microbiomes like in our mouth, very different than what's in our large intestine, different than what's like on your eyes, different than what's on your skin, and so on. Um, but that oral health is important. So people who are like incessantly mouthwashing and using antiseptics and killing all bacteria, again, bad bacteria can take over. So that is important. We need the good bacteria. We need good salivary amylase. We need good oral health. That's kind of step number one because, and we'll come back to it, but bacteria can be a major factor in why we have IBS. And we'll hit that more when we get to the large Huge. Yep. So that is very, very important. Yes. Microbiome, critical. Then we get into stomach, where, and we've talked about this kind of too, but stomach acid matters. It is very critical. You need it. One, it it helps break down food. So if your stomach acid isn't acidic enough, it's not going to break down foods. You get bloating, gassy, and you get heartburn. Heartburn. Contradictory to what most people think, but if you have heartburn, a lot of times it's actually that low stomach acid. stomach acid, yeah. Or not acidic enough. It's too basic. It's still acidic, so if you burp, it still burns, but it's not acidic, acidic enough. To actually digest your food, because food comes down into the stomach, but the release valve at the bottom of the stomach gets triggered by how digested your food is. And if you don't have enough acidity in there to actually digest things, that one won't open. And the other thing that happens, the, the sphincter here, the little yep. doorway, So normally, yeah, these two doorways, you have one that closes at the top of your stomach, and I can't see, so I'm just kind of, top of your stomach should close, bottom should open, when stomach acid is appropriate. Now, if your stomach acid is not acidic enough, this one doesn't know to open, this one doesn't know to lock shut. So now you have slightly acidic food sitting there, not digesting, this guy doesn't close, you can get reflux, this one doesn't open, so your body doesn't want to digest. And some of the things that can cause low stomach acid or poor stomach acid. H. pylori. Pylori. PPIs, uh, chronic PPI use, chronic H2 blocker. Oh, not so much yeah, chronic medications. Stress. Yeah. Stress is another huge one. Stress food will choices. boost it for a while, but eventually drops it. Lots of food choices. So changes. It. Let's see. Uh, some of the some of the co- common triggers: alcohol. Um, I'm trying to think other common triggers, uh, a lot of times, um, uh, for some folks it's dairy, um, uh, trying to think of some of the other common people who are told to take Tums for their calcium. I, oh my God. I was blown away. Someone told Don't, me that this has been their recommendation. First of all, it's not an... Oh, and it's not an absorbable, useful form of fucking calcium. <laughs> I sent her our supplement talk because she said oh. she was told by her doctor to take like two tums four times a day for her calcium. I was like, 
<laughs> no. No, you can't no. absorb it. That's like literally. Osteoporosis worse. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, but yes, yeah, so, so stomach acid is highly misdiagnosed, like heartburn is highly misdiagnosed and GERD as too high stomach acid and people are put on PPIs. But the truth is more people have low stomach acid due to exactly. bacterial infection, viral yeah. infections, stress, medication, diet, um, nutrient issues. Yeah. But, and guess what? Word of P warning. If you are on a PPI, do not don't turkey quit. <laughs> exactly. I was like, don't call turkey quit. You will quit, rebound. <laughs> but at the same point in time, PPIs were also never intended, never, ever intended, and not researched for long-term utilization. So if you have been on a PPI for anything longer than a short course, you should reevaluate. Let's address that root cause. And there are some screening tools that I use with people like a baking soda burp test or doing like a betaine HCL challenge to see how they're doing. Yeah. Um, so we can kind of get a feel for if that's part of your issue. Um, and the problem with this, why low stomach acid is so detrimental is for multiple reasons. One, your stomach should be acidic enough that it kills off pathogens and bacteria. So again, that bacteria yes. that we don't kill off in the mouth, if it gets through, if there's something in the food that just wasn't it quite It should die right, in the stomach. It should die in the stomach. So if you don't have acidic enough stomach acid, that can survive. Some bacteria can survive, such as H. pylori can be a problem. Um, other things can get into the small intestines. Yeah. Again, we'll kind of get into that and when we get to that part of the system. But another problem, and this is sort of one of those circulatory things, if your stomach isn't acidic enough or doesn't have enough of the good digestive enzymes, not only is it causing all that bloating discomfort, but you're not getting the full nutrient value out of your, your food. Exactly, because your body is literally not breaking them down. And there are certain foods that you need and nutrients and vitamins like B vitamins that you need to make proper stomach acid. Exactly. So if your stomach acid isn't good enough, then you can't get the vitamins you need and you don't have the vitamins and it can't make the stomach acid. So it's a vicious cycle and that's yet another reason for certain yep. multivitamins and B complex vitamins. Yep. So, that's so important. So if you're on a PPI, think about these things, please. And as someone who, I also have a hiatal hernia, so like the muscle th are in my diaphragm through which my esophagus passes is blown. So unless you have a structural abnormality, reevaluate your PPI use and talk with your GI doc or your primary care physician or whomever it is, because these things were never intended to be long-term uses. Yeah, and there's a lot of side effects for chronic use. And, and then again, you're, you're not addressing that Big root cause, so you've got all these other issues. So there, there is a very strong correlation between PPI use or heartburn and, and essentially from that low stomach acid, because again, you're not breaking down nutrients, you're not absorbing, protein's a big one, and yeah. osteoporosis later in life, because you're Huge. not getting the protein, calcium, Huge. vitamin D, magnesium, all that that you need. Yep. So don't just mask the symptoms with a drug fix it because you're going to have problems later in life. Yeah, you're going to need those, you, you need those nutrients. Don't like, yes, please, please, please. So PPIs are not long-term medications, yeah. period, end of sentence. So kind of, we got the bacterial balance that we need and the right enzymes in the mouth down to the stomach, same thing, because kind of, 
again, follow the bacteria here. This is yeah, gonna, let's follow a major thing. Follow, follow the, the arrows. Just follow. <laughs> Don't say no. I'm just gonna like ad lib Sesame Street throughout. I'm just gonna riff. But so that can be a part of the some of the symptoms of IBS. That bloating, that digest indigestion, heartburn, GERD can be due to some of these issues: the stomach acid, the lack of digestive enzymes. Um, the esophagus not closing correctly, the sphincters, those sort of things. And then that H. pylori infection, and then that bacteria. So moving on, once your body does decide it can we've open from up, stomach. we now move into the small intestine. And we've got the small intestine. Where normally there should not be any bacteria because it all should have gotten killed off in your stomach. In the stomach, correct. But if you have stomach issues and digestive issues, and that's- And you haven't digested your food enough. Some and of that bacteria now in your small intestine. Bingo. And this is disastrous. <laughs> yeah, I would not know anything about that, Kate. Can you please <laughs> tell me more? I have never so, experienced this. I'm not sure I want to go too deep into it because we had a whole talk just last week about FODMAPs and SIBO. So I would like to point people, we'll summarize, but if you want a deeper dive, I'm all part of it. Let's do a short dive. We'll do Small a short intestinal dive. bacterial overgrowth. SIBO means SIBO. that bacteria got in through the stomach. It's possible it backed up from the large intestine. We'll get to that when we get to the large intestine. But we have our small intestine. It should be basically sterile. Sterile. Aseptic. Bacteria. Clean. It bacteria the purpose. Yes. So again, if something is coming through that shouldn't, if bacteria is making it through that stomach area, yep. we now get SIBO. And this Correct. is bacteria, doesn't matter if it's good or bad, it's in the small intestine where we do not want it, and now we get more issues. Period, end of sentence. This is another one of these, like, no, it should not be there. That's it. And when it's there, it can present as... Many things. Let me do many, a many, screen many share here. I was going to say, I'm sure you have something oh, ready. Oh, my good it Lord. It can present yes, as so Boom. many fun and excited things. These all stem from bacterial imbalances and dysbiosis. So eczema, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, irritable bowel syndrome, leaky gut, detox, yada, yada. Pause it if you want to read over all of these. <laughs> yes, please um, so pause it. Inflammation and, and bacterial infection are behind all of these. Yep. And it's, it's one of those things that physicians don't tell you that. Yeah. And so and all of the these things medicine. are associated with SIBO. So hypothyroidism, lactose intolerance, Crohn's, sclerosis, celiacs, pancreatitis. RLS, really? Restless leg can be. I mean, that one's easy to check with like a magnesium issue. But yeah, yes, so that one's a little easier because the magnesium can help solve it. Yes. I'm saying these are associated. This is not 100%. Yeah, cause and effect but because because our body is such a web if something is off it can manifest in so many different ways yeah. so all of these have been connected um and i've had people ask Clinically. about autism and adhd like that can be exacerbated by gi issues and inflammation yep. and they have it's really been very interesting for me to because I've, I've really started looking at gut microbiome and brain health and mental health and neur neurological health and whoa, buddy. Yeah. It is huge. So oh, this is, yeah. This is another chart I want to show. So in these diseases, in research that was done, um, they were looking at 
how many people with these issues actually have SIBO? So yep. people with celiac disease, 67% of them have SIBO, this bacterial yep. overgrowth and so on. So IBS, 78% can yep. be due to SIBO. Fibromyalgia, 93, holy shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your wow. gut is so critical. That's huge. <laughs> I've never seen gutsy. It is so much about the guts. Yeah. So again, but even with this, again, you real quickly to kind of caveat, do, do go back and listen to our talk about um, different diet types. We do, uh, gosh, a good like 20 minutes on the low FODMAPS diet and SIBO. Um, but the point of all of it had been that you want to figure out why you got the SIBO. So killing the SIBO off with antibiotics or an herbal protocol with diet, that's good, don't get me wrong, but you wanna make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's, that's right. kind of that next step, that what next? Like if you kill it off once, why did it get there in the first place? Is it because of that low stomach acid and lack of nutrients? Or is it because yeah. of you know, motility issues? but figure out how it got there in the first place so that it doesn't happen again, because it is common for it to happen again because people aren't dealing with that. They're getting the brutal antibiotic treatment, the rifaxin, zifaxin, yep. a couple of the things or the herbals, and they'll, they'll eradicate it after Go a few rounds because it's rough. Yep. But if they haven't still addressed, like how did it get there in the first place, it has such a chance of coming back. So yep. kind of hitting that SIBO is important. We should do a whole talk about that sometime. Yeah. Um, and, and I think to the, the, the underlying causes of SIBO, I think that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. You got to get all the way to that root cause, the how, the why, the prevention. Yeah. Um, and so some things that kind of here occur in the small intestine. So when you've got the SIBO, your small intestine is one of the biggest areas of nutrient absorption. So if there's yeah, something going yeah. on with it, something going wrong, that's a problem. Um, another factor with small intestine is leaky gut. Uh, where that yeah. happens. Now, this is one of the topics that blows my mind with how oh much my research there is peer-reviewed PubMed, NIH, and yet how- and it's absolutely ignored! Oh my how God! how many GI doctors actually go, you're crazy. I have been told they, that. Yes. Like, that yes, is a hoax. Yes, I'm like, okay, yes. I'll give you that leaky gut is kind of like a colloquial term for it. No, really, <laughs> like, the, the, when, here again, when I fired my GI doc was when I was like, well, leaky gut, blah, 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 and he's like, leaky gut's not real, and I was like, did, have have you have you read a GI I'm magazine sorry, have you or like journal kept in the last up on your, five years? <laughs> have you kept up on your CEUs at all? Have you opened any of the journals that come from all of your memberships that arrive at your front door? Yeah, like this, clear. It, I like I I am it is ready a cellular to level. <laughs> it is a cellular level organic membrane dysfunction. It is. So documented at this point. Yes, it is yeah. so documented. It is so real. You can look at it under a freaking microscope. This is the one that boggles my mind that people that to me, like it's it's a no, it's a to me it shouldn't be controversial. It is there. Like, it's a like, no-brainer. It is there. so there. Like, so I don't get it. So if your doctor rolls their eyes and says leaky gut isn't real, it's a hoax, it's a that's quackery, like 
ah, consider finding yourself a new doctor. Research articles. It, that yes. one is, should not be controversial anymore. I don't understand no, why it is. Yeah, it, it's, and if there, if someone has research to show me that it is total bullshittery, then please share that because I have not seen. I it. have yet to find it. <laughs> I have I have yet to see anything that I'm not like. No, this was this, and the, what drives me nuts is when it's a well designed. Oh, because the first thing I do is go to the methods. How did you do this research? Mm -hmm. I have yet to find one that I'm like, oh yeah, there's like a methodological unsoundness about this. In all, in everything that I have read, I'm like, okay, that is methodologically sound. And then I look at their analysis and determine if their analysis was statistically sound. If the methodology was sound and the theory was sound and the statistics are sound, and it's reproducible, and it's done and it's by different labs and, and different countries and, and different companies. And, and by the way, here's the other thing. Guys, the research in the U.S. blows. Like, that's the other thing. We are so far behind compared to Europe, compared to... But even in the U.S., we've got good research about this. I mean, we and we have plenty of good and research. And then it lines the up with it lines up with the anatomy and the physiology and the science. It, as it well, lines like up with all of it, right? It's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Like it. So the passion topic clearly triggered. Let's talk about what it means. Line, yeah. So like, like <laughs> let's the just say, please, if you if yes. you are told that it is quackery, please reach out. We can. I'll try. I mean, you can just. Google on like PubMed and the National Institute of Health, who are kind of the yes. gold standards of peer-reviewed publications and journals. You can find it, but if you need anything, you yes. know, we'll find it. Let us know. Um, but that aside, so what leaky gut is, essentially? I like the coffee filter analogy. That That's a good one. Me. So yeah, if you think of a coffee filter, it should be this nice, tight mesh where nothing really gets through except your delicious, wonderful water with some coffee in it. That is what your small intestines should kind of be like. But various things such as medications, stress, crappy processed food, gluten, will gluten, actually gluten, gluten. start to tear this. And there's a, so what the, one of the ways gluten does this, gluten causes your body to release a chemical called zonulin, and zonulin tears this even more. So these are called uh, gap uh, tight junctions. Yep. And sometimes and they tight loosen up are not, yep. when they're not tight. In fact, I should have a good little picture for this. I could try to look up in a minute, screen share. Um, but essentially, so yeah, things, so this is your small intestine. Let's say you've got this tube. This is a very generic form of your, your filter here. Yeah. And then below is your blood, your body, your immune system, essentially. Yeah. So when this starts to get damaged and tear, things that normally shouldn't get through, such as get like coffee grinds, think they like get through. Nobody wants chunky coffee. <laughs> yeah. Who likes chunky coffee? If, so, if you do, please let me know. Uh, or if you have, yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah. And so it's getting into your body and into your blood where your immune system is and your immune system's going, I don't recognize that. Right non-broken down thing and it triggers yep. an immune response inflammation and for a lot of people this manifests as ibs correct so bad foods can tear that and the problem is even good foods now can start to become triggers and that's where food sensitivities come into play yep you want to talk a little bit about that andy while i find my gap junction yeah so um once you've kind of broken down those junctions and you have this situation in which particles of even your quote healthier foods 
are leaking into the body and leaking into the gut, your body produces an inflammatory response because it doesn't recognize even those good things. Um, when they are too big, when they are not molecularly broken down to the components that our body can process for nutrients and vitamins and uh, energy on a cellular level, when you're releasing proteins and fats and other things into the bloodstream in not their molecularly, anatomically usable agreed upon pieces you know it's sort of like you know you have legos right and you need to get down to like the little itty bitty legos you have to have the little tool that like the orange thing that you can stick in between them and pry them apart that we didn't have as kids but apparently you now have like if you can't break down into those little pieces that you need the bigger chunks come out and your body can't deal with these bigger chunks yeah so this is a, a picture Again, like these normal tight junctions should be nice and tight, but sometimes cells get damaged. Sometimes we get this leakiness is what it's kind of, again, kind of the, the colloquial terms, kind of generic term. So yeah, gluten, stress, anxiety, lack of sleep, lack of certain nutrients such as collagen, vitamin K2, food sensitivity, certain medications, inflammation, yeah. toxic burden, infections, bacterial dysbiosis, and more. There's can so cause many so, yeah, things. Basically, down, if, yep, if your guts are like, uh, all the time. Think about the fact that they're, like, if you feel like they're, uh, all the time, chances are they feel, uh, all the time. Chances are they feel like this picture looks. Yeah, and so what this does, we, it's, it's, again, it's getting, it's letting things, and it could be bacteria gets through too, and then it can yeah. get systemic oh, and translocate to your body. That's a whole yep. other sepsis issue of yeah, its own but these other components of food that can get in are now triggering such an inflammatory response and if it gets high enough with enough other compounding factors this is often a, a root part of autoimmune disease yeah. because autoimmune is your in your immune system basically going berserk and attacking anything yep. and everything um and so enough of these kind of triggers can send that autoimmunity into yeah. flares Yep. Oh, it can be IBS, I mean, it can be autoimmune. There's usually a tight link between the two. I mean, I spent, what, how many years seeing rheumatology and everybody else, and they're like, ah, it looks like autoimmune, but like, yeah, it looks like autoimmune, but yeah, it looks like autoimmune, but yeah. Oh, and leaky gut's not real. And then I was finally like, <laughs> Yeah, and that's, and again, like we see, I see a lot of times where people have this, this IBS, where there's GI damage and inflammation, and in addition, they're seeing a dermatologist for their rosacea or their eczema, and they're seeing a rheumatologist for their arthritis, and they're seeing a GI doc for their IBS, and they're all getting pills to deal with the different symptoms when it all comes down to... It's down to the gut. Literally, the literal health of the intestinal wall itself. Oh my goodness. What a concept but each specialist is just kind of treating their own little hub and not getting down to that root cause. Correct. Root so causes that's why we have to deal with that lifestyle and the food sensitivities and the bacteria correct. and medications and sleep and hydration and all of it because it all comes together to help keep you healthy. Together. Yeah. 
And then some of the other things we see with that small intestine. So here's where we get into C versus D to an extent. There right. should be the sweeping of your small intestine roughly every 90 minutes after you finish eating. So there are certain things that can stop it. You know, gastroparesis or kind of a paralyzed gut. Now you're not moving. Nothing's moving. So that bacteria can sit there. It doesn't get out. You get constipated. That becomes an issue. Yep. And you can have the other thing. Certain things flare it to... And I have diarrhea. You've got food moving through so fast, so quickly. You're getting dehydrated. You're losing the electrolytes. You're not getting the nutrient absorption. You are exhausted. You're pooping all the time. And when it comes out, looking not a whole lot different from the way that it went in. Something's not breaking down. Something's and there's, again, there's down. a lot of different things that can cause it. Stress can speed it up, slow it down. Certain medications, lifestyle factors, toxic burden, bacteria can cause that. Um, in the case of my ex-husband, he had the IBS-D, and his was hypermotility. Uh, actually, he, he went back and forth. He had some gastroparesis where he would eat and then just, like, be bloated for 12, 24 hours and not be able to eat, and then yep. would have the diarrhea. Um, and we determined through working with a, a GI doc who was more trained in this that, yes, he had SIBO, and yes, he had had a bacterial infection at some point, we believe through food poisoning, I think it was Campylobacter was what they brought it down to. And what that did is, if I remember right, that specific bacteria was one, the body attacks. And yep. once it got rid of it, it looks a lot like the proteins in yes. the stomach lining. So now his, yes. his immune system after attacking this, and we talk about molecular mimicry, and that'll be one we should uh, talk about with gluten, dairy, and thyroid. Yeah, we should totally have Spoiler, that. There's the same issue. So it attacked this food poisoning bacteria that came in and then turned and started to attack his the proteins in his GI lining. Yep. That helped trigger that routine uh, peristalsis, routine movement of the GI. So he was now a fluctuator because yep. it was getting damaged by his immune system. Yep. So, oh. so we, we, again, why is it not moving? Yes, you can definitely, there are some great like gentle herbals to help with peristalsis and movement if you're IBSC, but we want to kind of deal with the why. The, what the why. Is the, the, what the is the base why. cause? Yeah. And like, if there is a food that you eat that makes you need to poop, like in the middle of a meal or soon, like soon, soon after a meal, like I've just put down my fork and I need to run to the bathroom. You need to think about those foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now food sensitivities can be delayed. It can take up to three days for a food that yep. you eat to trigger around. So that can yep. be hard. That's why I like to do the testing. Just like, let's, let's, Absolutely. Learn it, let's figure it out. Test. Don't but if get. there's something that, but step one, if there's something but that you're that eating that aside from coffee, vitamin C, we can leave alone. We all need some vitamin coffee in our world. Um, sometimes I won't, I won't deprive you of your coffee if coffee makes you poop. Yeah, but I, I was this close. My dad almost had me named caffeine when I was born. K-A-F-F-E-N-E. -E. That was, I love your dad. <laughs> like, looking back, I'm like, I would have hated that as a kid. Probably growing up would have been awful. But now I'm like, yeah, that would have been fitting. <laughs> yeah, that would have worked. That would have been, been okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
glad right. you figured it out. But you know. But yes. Sorry, you were you're saying. Uh, no, I was just saying, aside from aside from robbing people from there, I won't rot. I won't steal. But if seriously, like if there's something that you eat that causes that soon of a trigger, or like you eat something and you notice you start having a headache afterwards, or or or. Please do yourself a favor. I mean, yes, we want to test and not guess. That is number one. If that's not a guess anymore, once but you that's know. not a guess anymore. Like <laughs> if it's not a guess know, anymore, it's, a if it's like, hey, I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna eat this chips and salsa and queso, and I know that I'm gonna be running. Save yourself the pain. <laughs> do your do yourself a favor. Do your guts a favor. Just don't. Yeah, so just be start being mindful of that. Um, that there is there is a very clear food to symptom connection yeah. and food and kind of physiological response. So start just being aware of things that you eat. You know, I again that's to me that's my wheelhouse, so it's always there. But I know a, a lot of people right. just aren't really aware of the connection between food and IBS. So there is. Right. And yeah, it's, a lot of times I'll have people we just start with just a general cleanup, even before we get into any lab testing. Yeah. Just like get the gluten, the sugar, the junk food, the chips, the processed things out, just eat whole foods at least like 80, 90 percent and see. And usually yeah. if people will do it, I do these challenges, they yeah. notice it within like five to oh, seven days. Like boom. Like Not I have everybody. a very good. How many? How many of my friends have done your count your challenges, Kate? And we're like, holy crap! Like, I know it's amazing. Food matters. Yeah, give yourself a week. Participate in one of Kate's challenges. Yes, I'll be doing one in January. There you go. And we'll be reviewing this kind of education. And you can have I do live Q and A's every day. So if you have more questions about your situation, about what's going on, yada yada yada, um, something that you don't understand in my explanation, because. I know it's kind of complicated. It's very inner, over interlapped and interwoven, and and not everything applies to everyone, right? Yeah. That's the other yeah. thing. Like, so there's some everything of, here. Yeah, take yeah. take what you need and leave the rest. Yes. So that's kind of our small intestine, leaky gut, SIBO. These are problems. Um, motility should be what it is, but it gets off for different reasons, and then it moves into the large intestine and the colon. Do we talk about the appendix in between or do we just leave that for now? Um, you know what? Maybe we can do another talk another time hitting like the accessories, like the gallbladder, the pancreas, um, the appendix. Yeah, I'm, I'm adding it to the list. <laughs> um, so, so yes, through this tube in the body, we're now hitting, it does have little things that come in and work with it. And we can hit some of the auxiliary organs in another chat. But uh, yeah, so kind of then hitting large intestine and colon. Well, what I was going to say is, oh, I am going to throw water, this in keep there. Talking. There are a lot of folks who have IBS issues mm -hmm. um, who have had appendectomies. Mm, and gallbladder. And, well, and, and gallbladder. Um, but, yeah. And, and there's, there, is a, there can be reasons for that. Um, so yeah, so stomach. Small intestine, appendix, colon. Do you want to talk about the appendix or do you want to save that one? Yeah, we can save it. Okay. <laughs> but it's there and know it's that there. it's there and it can be fine for people. It can be problematic for people. And there can be, if you've had an appendectomy and your guts are not great, that's something to think about, even if your appendectomy was when you were a kid, because it can play into the whole of your immune system. 
yeah, it's part of your immune system and it, and it actually plays into, it can play into IBS. Very good point. There we go. I'm just so, adding that in. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, yeah, we'll hit the auxiliary. That'll be fun. Let's do that maybe, well, I don't know, next week is, we'll talk. We'll figure that out. Next, yeah. next time um, we'll hit the auxiliaries. Yeah, I think that'll be important as well. Um, but we'll kind of hit large intestine. So large intestine is where we should have bacteria. Correct. So again, we want bacteria, good bacteria in the mouth, good health there, but then everything should kind of get killed in the stomach. So aseptic through the small move intestine. Move through the small intestine and then just kind of chill in the large intestine. Correct. And the large intestine goes up one side of your abdomen across the bottom of your rib cage and down the entire other side it is five feet in most adults something like that five to six feet in most adults so if you figure it kind of starts up at your pubic bone and wraps all around your entire abdomen and then colon anus and out yep but um so yeah here is where we do want good bacteria here is where bacteria will fight for land in your body. So if you feed the bad bacteria, it will Grow. prevail and cause problems. So, so when you and hear a lot about like, and the it's GI like microbiome, this is kind of the core area for that. Yes, absolutely. And in addition, like a septic system with bacteria, it can back up and this is that other cause of SIBO. Yeah, so again, if that motility is not sweeping correctly and it stops, then instead of sweeping out the bacteria that might get there for some reason, it doesn't sweep and that bacteria can have more time to proliferate and to grow and to colonize. Um, or if you're constipated for other reasons, even if it's just not, you're not getting enough fiber and enough water, if you're constipated, then that waste and those bacteria sit there and again, they can migrate. Or some of the other things that happen, kind of a side note that you want to, again, why you want to deal with the root cause here. If that waste is sitting in your colon because you're constipated and you're not pooping. It's toxic. It's toxic. That's waste. And your body actually can start to reabsorb Reabsorb that. it. Yeah. And it absorbs more water, just making it worse and more and hard. And guess what else painful. comes out in your poop? Hormones and yes. all kinds. There is so much that comes out in your poop. Your poop yes. is not just leftover food. Yeah, so it's it's byproducts, it's waste, it's the body trying to do its natural Hormone detox residues. processing. So if you do not poop that out, there's actually an increased risk of colon cancer because that is just toxic stuff sitting there sometimes. Yep. Um, but yes, let's hit those hormones. So first of all, real quick tangent um, about the constipation side of the hormones is your body, when it creates hormones, they have to get used, they get broken down, you should poop them out. So in this assembly line of things, if you are, again, constipated and you are not pooping out, your body goes, there's a backlog. We're going to back off on creating the hormones. Uh, yes. And oh my goodness, there are so many hormones created in the gut. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Kids at home, we have all been led to believe that hormones are produced in like the pituitary and the adrenals and all of these other things. And yet, true. The biggest there's producer. But wait, of, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> the largest producer of hormones. All, all, capital letters here. Like I feel like I need to sign all 
so like the vast majority, the large bulk, so much hormone production happens in the large intestine. And we were never taught that. And even if nothing else, it's affected by, because like and it's it's, effect, yes, your thyroid hormones by. are made by like dealt with a kind of an assembly line with pituitary hypothal um, hypothal yeah, right, exactly. hypothalamus. Um, and the thyroid itself. But again, that backup, if it backs up, then your body goes, you are oh, not, I'm good. I, I, we're, we can't yeah. make more. We're going to slow down your thyroid hormone production yep. because you're not getting rid of the waste product. That's just yep. one of many things that can go wrong with the thyroid. That's another topic for another time. Yes. But yes, so hormones need to get excreted. Now, other things that can happen with your hormones can also then play into your IBS. Mm -hmm. Would you like to share your story, Andy, as this was what you were telling me earlier? Uh, oh, the joys. Guys, you can turn this off and just mute it for like 30 seconds. We're maybe talking a little female bit hormones. Yeah, we're talking female hormones. Um, so uh, progesterone and estrogen are like our two big ones. And for um, the pre-ovulatory period, your progesterone is nice and high. And then you ovulate, and then the progesterone drops. This is normal. This is how it's supposed to work. However, a really cool link. If anyone wants to learn a little bit more about the female like hormone cycle, the luten, uh, luteinizing, luteinizing hormone, estrogen, yeah. LHF, um, precision, FSH. Yeah. yeah. Precision Nutrition has a fantastic article with video that I think is great. So if you want that, let us know. I'll, I'll find that article again. Um, but anyway, yes, so there's constantly fluxes where one hormone triggers the next and yada, 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 that gets into female hormones, but it is natural, like Andy's saying, for progesterone to drop at the beginning of ovulation. Continue. So when that happens, progesterone tends to help aid, and I'm using a non, I don't want to get into the, like the complex biochemistry of it, but basically low progesterone, less motility, more constipation is basically the, the story. Um, so you ovulate, your progesterone drops, and if you're anything like me, that happens, and then you don't poop for two days, and then you're in constipation world, because now you also have, like, slower per peristalsis, and you're already constipated, and a lot of this stuff happens, and it's literally just because of a drastic and rapid hormone switch in the female body. Yay! Yeah. Um, so... And then you can have the opposite end of this situation, where once menstruation starts, you have the wonderful phenomenon of estrogen coming back in and really elevating things and then you wind up with what I affectionately like to call the period shit. So for any of you who also suffer in this realm, congratulations. I'm so sorry, but hormone regulation can help with that. So if you're someone who struggles with, you know, polycystic ovarian and you're not already on some type of like hormonal thing, or if you're someone who is perhaps perimenopausal, yay, being 42, and some of these other things, you may start to see a change in bowel habits related to that. And also, I mean, pregnancy also does this as well, which is why early <laughs> in pregnancy, we see that drop in progesterone in a lot of women. So a lot of women early in pregnancy are also constipated for these same reasons. 
and they're put on really nasty iron pills. <laughs> yeah, and, and, oh, and iron is also like this. Is, yes, that's the other thing. Iron, yeah. in most cases, is very constipatory for most people. Yeah. There are ways to supplement your iron that do not require you getting that oral are a iron. More GI friendly. That are much more GI friendly. friendly. So yeah, there's yeah. things that you can do about that too. Yeah. So, so so yes. So anyone who notices IBS kind of occurring in cycles you know, it might be related to your hormone cycle. And, and this is, again, one of those things we don't just want to be like, oh, well, my progesterone tanks or spikes, that's the issue. Well, your hormones shouldn't tank and spike. They should wave, yes. But yes. there's still a range in that exactly. wave that we want. So if they're going too low or too high, let's deal with that factor. And yeah, that can be related to bowel movements. That can be GI. That can be exactly regulation. That can be nutrients. That can be whatever. And, yeah, and there's lots of things that can be done for that as well. And that's a whole other topic for yet another time. But just kind of letting you know, like, yes, hormones can play into this too. So I hope this kind of shows that from, from hole to hole, there's a lot that can go there's wrong. There's a whole lot that can go wrong. Uh, <laughs> I know. Boom. There is a, a whole lot that can go wrong, but we can know what some of these things are. So when people just brush it off as you have IBS, there's nothing you can do, take a pill, deal with it, good luck. You can there's a lot that it. you can control within that that is not... Yeah, let's look at it. Let's yeah. rule things out. Let's find out where problems are. There are ways to test for H. pylori. There's ways to test um, if you are prone to autoimmune. There's ways to look for inflammation. We can look at how much leaky gut there is. Um, we can look at food sensitivities. Like we can check this stuff. There's a ton of stuff. Test, don't guess. And here again, this is another thing that um, for me was a working with you was a big thing. So, you know, I cleaned up, I, I, you know, went through the food sensitivities, cleaned up the diet, did a lot of the other things. And then it was like, okay, now we still have an issue. Let's test. Okay. H. pylori, E. coli, Club Ciella, Campylobacter. There was like a fourth and a or fifth and a sixth one, I think at least. And I had leaky gut. And I was, despite the fact that I have been gluten-free for freaking years, I was still getting enough Contamination. Contamination. I think it was the dog food. I'm really. I want to try. Oh, so I was thinking again. cat litter, but no, I think you're right. I think you said. Well, it was I cleaned food. up the cat. I, I got rid of the cat litter, and so that was the first thing that I did. Now this second round, it ought to be interesting because I have I have fed the dog like three times in the past six months. Yeah, four, four times. Well, and you also months. had to redo your makeup, right? Because there was. Oh my god! I, I had to look at my makeup. I had to look at the like. I mean, I don't really wear any makeup anyway, but I found out that one of the powders that I was using, and oh, by the way, I'm also highly sensitive to corn. Cornstarch is in fucking everything. <laughs> oh my God. Like, read your ingredients, and oh my God, cornstarch is in so many beauty products. Like, lotion. Why is there cornstarch in lotion? It's a thickening agent. I know that. I mean, I know why. It's there, but like, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I just like, point out though, like the the level of extreme cross contamination control that people have really ranges. So just to kind of remind people, yeah. like it, you, Andy, you did have to go to some of these extremes, and I've had other I people did. like same thing. If they went out to a restaurant and had a bunless burger cooked on a grill, where somebody else had a 
spun. Yeah, I have a friend that yes that made him sick for three days. That's not yeah, the case. I have for a friend everybody. that yeah, I have a friend that is that gluten sensitive that she like yeah. like you have to request like please put down a piece of foil to make my burger or something. Like Yeah. 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 But that's not everybody. So that just depends. But it can be. It can it be. It can be. And so that kind of comes down to like, but Andy, despite all the detective digging we've had to do and all the looking and all the testing, would you say it has been worth it for the quality of life? Oh my God. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it has been amazing. I poop like once a day. <laughs> I, yes. Your, I remember your first review on my webpage, like I don't poop seven times a day, exclamation, exclamation, capitals. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, like, like literally, I mean, I, like I, the, it was absolutely amazing. That was the first and most amazing thing to me was like, Oh my God, I am not in the bathroom every, like, and of course, you know, and it's one of those things that, and I'm sure I'm speaking to plenty of people sitting there and you're like, I can't even focus in this meeting right now. I might like my guts hurt and I'm cramping and okay, I'm just sitting here and I'm trying to pay attention to this meeting, but I can't because my guts hurt so bad and I'm trying not to shit myself. <sighs> well, and it, yeah, I mean, to that level, or I know I've had people um, who, like, they're afraid to go out for walks because they're afraid they won't be near a bathroom. Be near a bathroom! Um, yeah, people it's who, huge! Some runners that I know, you know, we, runners trots, which, oh my yes, God, yeah. sometimes you can just tweak with diet, but other times it's more well, IBS-related. And that and was, and that was me all through Back to your school. adventures. <laughs> yeah, and that was, I mean, like, it was like a running joke that we would be about, like, routinely for me. 10 or 15 minutes into whatever sport warm-up it was, it was like, hey guys, I'll be back. I'm going to go shit my brains out. And I'll, you know, like, so, I mean, that, like, that was the thing. Okay. I'm getting ready for a rugby match. Hold on. Let me go do my own warm-up by myself before everybody else gets here to then go find a bathroom to relieve my intestines to then come back to the field and then warm up with the rest of the team. But it was like, this is ridiculous. Like the level, the, 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 the levels of accommodation that we put into our lives mm -hmm. when really getting at the root cause is, first of all, it frees up so much cognitive space, emotional space. Like, I mean, it, it truly is. If, if you're someone who is struggling, especially with mixed IBS or especially with IBSD, I know constipation mm -hmm. is its own because I suffer with that too. Battle, yeah. Yeah, you know, I've I've obviously been there as well. But wow, I mean, it's a huge difference. So know that there are things that you can do to impact your life to get your quality of life back. Like that was just the most amazing thing to me. That was absolutely the most amazing thing to me. After yeah. having seen how many GI docs for how many years where they're like, nah, good luck. This is the rest of your life. Guys, it doesn't have it to doesn't be the rest of your life. It doesn't yeah. have to be. And so like, I, I love your, your, your kind of like your check-ins and your, your reports as we went through, you know, not, not just the weight loss. Cause like we talked about, that's, a, that's a symptom of what's going on. Yeah. So like, I mean, the weight loss was fabulous. It's, it's great yes. to be, like, we, love that. Not, we all feel better that way, but yeah. I it, love it, being a hundred pounds smaller than I was. You feel better. You got good muscle, but I loved, yeah. First of all, I cracked up with your, your report in about, um, and not pooping seven times a day. Um, but then your story about 
being able to go visit, was it your mother-in-law down the hill? Yeah. Actually like beat your family back up the hill for the first time. Yes. Like, geez, you pulled out your resistance bands for the first time. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've done like, it, it's really completely changed my life. I mean, like, yeah, I, I'm able to do things that I, overall, I mean, the, the difference that it's made in the quality of my life and energy sleep my as sleep a wife, has been better. as a mom as a as a yeah i mean i can be a better mom i can be a better why i'm not grouchy the way that i was i mean i'm 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 always cantankerous but <laughs> i'm a, you know being a cantankerous curmudgeon is sort of my that's different than being a yeah that's a personality friend. trait you know i choose to be a, a contrarian but you know like it, th that is fundamentally different than sitting around literally feeling like a pile of shit because your guts Plus, are I'm curious too, uh, how much were you sleeping before and how much now? Like at um, night and naps? Oh god. Because it was a lot, wasn't it? Oh god, I was sleeping like 12 plus hours a day. I mean, I would... I would basically be like, a, it's exhausting yeah. again. Like we yeah. talked about, I mean, you're, I was basically, you're devoid of nutrients when you're yeah. shitting them out all the time. Yeah, I was basically awake from like seven a.m. to seven p.m. if I was lucky, and like usually I would take a mid-afternoon nap, um, and then you know I might be able to be awake around dinner time and up for a little while afterwards. But I was sleeping at least twelve hours a day. Um, I was still constantly fatigued. The brain fog was unbelievable i mean just I, I had a migraine for four months at one point literally like kate i had a month i mean and i don't mean like i had a headache i had a like there were neurological symptoms beyond just i have like i have a headache i droopy face but I, there was there was so it was absolutely astonishing to me um, once we started to clean up the inflammation, get the gut healed, start absorbing nutrients, start digesting food. Like that was a big my, one. my I, next thought for you would be the nutrient panel. <laughs> After I was so say, long, gonna, not, we'll talk. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was to say, that's kind of on my list of like, eh, we should just order these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, it, it really, and when I would sleep, it was like at night, it was crappy sleep. Sweaty, poor quality, poor quality waking pain. up at night, just not sleeping soundly and not waking up naturally and feeling rested. Whereas now I wake up naturally feeling rested. I don't need an alarm clock because my body's like, oh, hey, you've gotten your seven to eight hours of sleep and it's time to get up and pee. And oh, by the way, you're also going to like be up and put around making you know, your cup of tea in the morning, and now your body's going to say, okay, it's time to poop, and then I'm done, like, and that's it, as opposed to this whole big other, I mean, it was terrible, like, there's nothing like waking up in the middle of the night to shit your brains out routinely. Yeah, I know, that's, yeah, that seems to be a common thing is, is, you know, uh, people say, like, I, I wish I had control of my body, um, I wish I had better control of my schedule, I'm tired of working my schedule around my bathroom schedule, um, yeah. I feel like I'm chained to the toilet all the time, so yeah. 
Yeah, it's exhausting mentally, physically, nutritionally, like you're just, your body is devoid. So totally reach out. Hopefully something in there kind of resonated with you. At the very least, I hope people understand we can look deeper. We have the ability to, there are things we can look at. There are things we can test. There are ways to deal with the root cause. So Mm -hmm. you can feel better. You can improve your quality of life and you can have that sound peace of mind that you're not crazy. (laughs) It's and I'm going to make a lot head. of people tell you exactly how much this improved their, I have several people who had better be telling us how much managing their IBS improved their quality of life. And I'm not going to call you out, but you might get tagged. <laughs> I'll let you do that. <laughs> so that is our kind of verbal tour of the GI tract from hole to hole and all the whole bunch of stuff that can go wrong. There's a lot. Anyway. Gang. So again, reach out if you have any questions. Um, you know, IBS is a syndrome of symptoms that can be fixed if we find out where they all stem from. Let's yeah, get to that root cause, root cause rebalance. Ooh, I like that root cause rebalance. Root cause rebalance. We're gonna start keeping track of our taglines. So I know I tend to tend to use, yeah, validation, answers, restoration. Like, let's validate you. You're not crazy. There is something going on. Let's get yeah. answers. Let's find out what it is. And then let's start restoring that body. Let's start yep. rebalancing. Yep. Yeah, so, you're not crazy. You're, you are not crazy. And anybody who tells you that IBS is a mental health condition. <sighs> yeah. Well, and then I also... You know, I always have a caveat at the end to throw in, like, oh, yeah. because, right, I mean, our life is a series of caveats <laughs> and asterisks. Come but on, we need to, like, can range. Because I know one of the things that kind of breaks my heart is when I see people who have severe IBS being told by people with mild to moderate IBS, I still have a job, deal with it, why don't you? And so I just ask for, like, compassion, understanding that because it is just such a general range of symptoms and you don't know what's going on internally. If you have H. pylori, if you have cholera, I've had a cholera client. Oh, like, my God. You don't know what You it don't is. know. And so it just, being told you have IBS really is such a generic bullshit answer for what's yeah. going on. It's a non-answer. <laughs> it's a, here. Here's your collective of symptoms. We're going to give that collection of symptoms a name. And sometimes that name means you can get this pill or this pill or this pill or this pill or this pill. Or some of all of these pills to take depending upon what's going on in your body. And and that's not management. That is not. So it, it can range from just like, okay, you know, IBS isn't great, but you can still function. And it can be this backup of autoimmune and bacterial dysbiosis and infections and lifestyle habits that need to be pulled together. But again, you know, it's saying, well, sleep better is hard when you're sick and you can't yeah. sleep. So vicious cycle. And so let's break the cycle. Let's find yeah. the root cause. Let's dig yeah. in so that we can get you feeling better, faster. Yeah. And the other thing is it's easy to go from manageable to unmanageable pretty easily. Yeah, so let's go the it's just going to get worse yeah exactly if you're not dealing with the root cause the root cause is just going to probably get worse unless you address it all right (laughs) all right thank you guys keep the questions coming um comments questions and um requests and we're here for you and uh we love it Yeah. yeah
Well, thanks for listening, guys. Um, did you catch that little bit about the January seven day challenge? It's coming up. It's coming up fast. Um, it's 100% online, so anyone can do it. Um, I'm actually going to be trying a different method this time. The videos are saved, so you can watch them anytime. Um, and we're basically, we kind of do this sort of thing. We review the GI. We talk about some basics of food, how to understand what healthy food is. I know that's controversial. Um, so I'll give you what I believe from all my research and experience. Um, so if you want more, reach out to me on Facebook at The Gut Check with Kate or at kate.klein.rd for more information. Um, and we'll be doing it this time in my free Facebook group, the Empowered Health group. Um, I'll link that in the show description as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Um, have you experienced any of these things that we've talked about? Did something stand out as a specific area in your GI tract that maybe you want to focus on? Um, if you'd like to talk more, see if we can explore more deeply, find that root cause, shoot me an email, kate at dublindietitian.com. Um, and just mention this episode for a complimentary talk. We can sort of hash through your symptoms and see what it might be, create a game plan, what food patterns may help, what supplements may help, um, or maybe if a test would be the best thing to get some answers. So remember, follow, subscribe, like, and share for more weekly content. Talk soon.